A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Sherry, your host for today. And I'm really excited about our next guest on the podcast. Uh, Brett Winterbottom is an instructor and senior glacier guide of Micah Guides um, on the Matanuska Glacier in Alaska. And Dan and I adventured out to not only ice climb and adventure around the glacier for six hours, but we also spent the night on the glacier. Brett, welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so fun to connect with you again. Uh, we had literally a life-changing experience on the glacier with you. Oh, man, I love to hear that. <laughs> well, it was. I mean, I... Um, well, we should just start from where we were, first of all, so our listeners can know. Um, we, Dan and I, decided to take a summer epic adventure, and part of my passions I think we share with you, Brett, is um, I love to try new outdoor adventures every summer. So some of my adventures in the past were um, doing some pretty intense horseback riding in um, Wyoming where we were staying at 10,000 feet and we're doing some fly fishing for trout, but riding some pretty intense terrain to um, we also went fishing for white sturgeon this past summer and part of our adventure, outdoor adventure for the summer, was meeting you at the Matanuska. Hmm. I believe, am I saying it right? Matanuska Glacier? Yeah, the Matanuska. Matanuska Glacier. Just call it, um, we call it the Mat, you know, the Mat. The Mat, okay. That's yeah. cool. It has a nickname. Um, in Alaska, <laughs> and it's located about, how far is it? Like two and a half hours from Anchorage, approximately? Yeah, yeah just about two hours from Anchorage, uh, just to the east up the Glen Highway. Yes. Yeah, so um, I kind of landed, you know, we're digging around trying to figure out what we were going to do in Alaska. And, um, you know, we, we originally started looking at an Alaska cruise because Alaska, of course, is so big. And you want to see as much of it as you possibly can. And some of these excursions that they had on the cruise looked great, but I felt like it just wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't going to be adventurous enough. It wasn't going to be life-changing enough to go on these you know, kind of simple excursion. So when I landed on Micah Guide's page and saw that you guys offer glacier tours, ice climbing, and then also glamping overnight <laughs> on the glacier, <laughs> I was like, okay, this sounds pretty epic. So kind of explain, you know, before we get into your story and how you landed in Alaska and that, you know, you, you're the manager and you run Micah Guides and all the guiding, et cetera. But, um, Talk about what Micah Guides offers as far as an experience, because it's pretty epic. Right. Yeah. So like you said, there's a lot of uh, simple tourist activities around Alaska, um, and we could be categorized in that. You know, we do have the option for just your most casual tour, uh, which is trekking out on the glacier. You go for a little walk around, you get to learn some about the glacier, take cool pictures, but uh, what we really specialize in is giving people a once-in-a-lifetime 
experience. So taking people out on the Matanuska for a full day and doing what we call the advanced trek or the ice climb and really letting people get to know the glacier for an entire day. Um, yeah, we, so taking people out on the mat and just really showing them how special a glacier is from the micro tiny little features, the dust that's inside the glacier, all the way just to the grandeur of the entire thing, like the big picture view. Um, yeah. So, and you know, the, the different options and we're going to get into some of the, just explaining, you know, geographically, like what the glacier is all about. Cause there's so many interesting things happening on the glacier that you oh, would yeah. never know until you take this tour. Um, but as far as like the different adventures you have as you mentioned kind of a simple tour but you also offer and this is what dan and i chose to do it's called the ultimate heli adventure yes Yes. and this is where you your transportation or your uber as i called it from base (laughs) camp which is off the highway on your way out of anchorage is a helicopter Yes. And you take a helicopter to base camp and they drop you off. And it's like they kind of it, you feel like you're being transported really to a different planet when they drop you off because the temperature difference from base camp to the glacier is it's pretty significant. What is what do you think the temperature difference is? 20 degrees, yeah, 15 degrees? 10, 10, 15 degrees. And um, yeah, it's pretty it's crazy, right? You step out and all of a sudden you feel like you're on, on an ice cube and you would think it'd be obvious, but the sun can be out and it can be 80 degrees. And all of a sudden you got a nice cool breeze coming yes. at you. Um, and you're like, Whoa, where, where am I? Where did I just land? It's a very, I mean, it's a little Disneyland esque when you first get out. It is. And I got, it's almost star Wars esque. Like it, you feel like mm. you, they may have filmed like a star Wars movie out there. It's so incredible when you get off yeah. the helicopter and then the helicopter leaves and you realize you're spending the night on this chunk of ice. Um, with nobody around, which is great because you're t- well taken care of. But um, the the beauty of the glacier, and it's so massive. So the glacier itself is it's 27 miles long and four miles wide. Is that correct? You got it. You got it. Yep. I have my I have my stats written down, um, or I have my stats <laughs> down right. Uh, so, and then talk about the glacier itself. So when we started exploring, because we did the ultimate heli adventure, that means that Brett yeah. uh, was with Dan and I all day. So it was the three of us along with David. We brought a photographer and um, you guys are obviously very experienced climbers. And I will say that safety is the number one most important feature that you guys take care of when you're out on the glacier, because it can be a dangerous situation. But oh, yeah. um what, you know, let's talk about the glacier because you, I, the first thing you told us, it was a warm glacier and I'd never heard that, that phrase before. What does that mean? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Um, well, so there's a hot glacier and a cold glacier. Um, hot glaciers are any glaciers that are in a temperate environment. So, you know, um, somewhere on earth that gets above freezing and, you know, the snow can melt off and then eventually the ice is exposed to warm air. Right. Um, so the Matanuska Glacier, where it terminates, is at about 1,200 feet elevation, and the air temp can get anywhere between, you know, 60 to 80 degrees in the summer. Um, so it allows that glacier to melt super fast. The surface is always melting down. Um, whereas a cold glacier is going to be more like an ice sheet, uh, something that mainly just accumulates snow and barely melts. You know, it, it'll melt, but very slowly compared to the amount of snow that it accumulates. Um, so those like Greenland ice, uh, the ice sheet in Greenland, um, anywhere in the Arctic, Antarctica, 
Um, those are going to be your cold glaciers. Those are the ones that are like hundreds of thousands of years old. Okay. And how old is this glacier approximately? Well, the mat, the, it's been around for a long time. Uh, it's last glacial maximum was about 200,000 years ago. Um, oh the ice that, the, the ice that we were hanging out and playing on is only about 500 years old. So oh, it's really, uh, so the, the, yeah, you know, just 500 years pre-industrial. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when, you know, when he was talking about this, a warm glacier and you, you step out on the glacier and you do hear this like roaring water underneath you almost all day long. And, um, you do, in fact, as you're touring the ice with, um, crampons on your boots that are these sharp spiky things that go on your boots, um, you hear the rush of this water everywhere and you actually get to see quite a few waterfalls and then what is the other term that I'm forgetting the name of it that we were saying all over the place the Mulans yes the Mulans there we go explain what those are because those are so cool right so we're on a hot glacier right or a a temperate uh glacier that is melting constantly every square inch of this entire thing is melting all day long and what it does is it, it makes these little little streams and water's always finding the path of least resistance carving out these incredible uh, little miniature canyons all the way to hundred foot tall, uh, canyon walls. And eventually when that water hits a low point and it can't go any farther down glacier, it will begin to drill or mill, which Mulan in French means to mill. Um, it'll start drilling this hole into the ice and actually just creating a vertical shaft straight into the glacier. Um, and then once it, becomes a deep enough hole, the water will then start kind of carving horizontally and it'll create these um, subsidiary like drainage systems that allow water to go from the surface of the glacier where we were six miles up all the way to the terminus and then out into the river. And, you know, some of these Mulans, like they start, as he had mentioned, like curving these walls. So it looks like you're, you're looking at a bobsledding track in a way. Oh man, they are the most incredible sculpted masterpieces that you'll ever see not only the, like the the color you know that deep blue color that we saw but yes the perfect sculpted lines and and they just it just keeps getting bigger and bigger every day um and yeah we get to access them using all the ropes and do it as safe as you can possibly do it and that you you don't until you visually step on the glacier and you start seeing the glacier pools and the blue color it is like I was looking around. I'm like, this is definitely a hashtag no filter situation. Like the oh, blue, yeah. <laughs> it's so blue, like nothing yeah. you've ever seen before. <laughs> we always, I always make a joke that uh, you know you can't take the blue with you. There's, there's exactly something you want to. <laughs> yeah, like how people harvest diamonds and gold. You want to take that like a, a chunk of blue glacier with you, but you just can't do it. No. Um, yeah. And so you get the, the best thing you can do is get as deep inside the glacier as you can and just soak it up, enjoy it. And, um, and, and if you're curious about what this glacier looks like and you, you know, want to kind of see a little bit more visual, I of course posted some stuff on my social media, but also on micaguides.com and it's M I C A guides.com. They have quite a few videos and visuals to see what, um, Brett is talking about in regards to some of the Mulans and the glacier itself. But, um, one of the other thing that was really fascinating is there is this black like sand or grit that is all over the glacier. And you think it, it, 
is sand or it's dirt. But in fact, the power of the glacier, as you had told us, is that it had crushed massive rocks and boulders. And by the time it gets all the way down, it's this black sand. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you, it's, it's called moraine is what you're talking about. Yeah. Moraine. See, I can't remember all the technical terms. This is why oh, sorry. we need you around, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I've got a purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, explain what that, what the sand is on it. So moraine, again, is a, it's a French term. Uh, most glacial terms are French. Uh, moraine is, is like the, well, so the original like mountaineers were the British. The first like guides were British. Um, so they were the first ones to kind of adventure into the mountains in Europe. Um, but then the French were really the first that really did a lot of traversing and moving through glaciated terrain. And they, instead of naming it, like just giving it a random name, they were describing the process. So, you know, Mulan means to mill or drill. Moraine actually means to whip. So it's like they were trying to describe what they thought the glacier was doing to the terrain around them. Um, a crevasse is actually, it means to split or to crack. So it's not the same as a crevice. It's actually an action. It's not an object. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I forgot to describe Moraine. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like yeah. this crushed, crushed, it looks like sand, really, but it's all black. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it'll depend. If you go to uh, glaciers in Chile, um, it's going to be granite, and it'll be more of a gray and, like, sparkly color, whereas we have a lot of slate in the Chugach, um, and so we get a lot of darker rock that's ground up. Very cool. And one other... Yeah. Um, thing that I thought was super fascinating was the fact that algae can grow. On oh a yeah. Oh, because the, nothing the, is growing <laughs> on a glacier. Yeah. Well, so there's algae and then there's moss, which is cool. The, the moss is a very particular type of moss. Um, you know, I actually haven't found any research done on it, but I think the same moss that like thrives in permafrost areas. So mm-hmm. really cold regions in Alaska, I think, it thrives on the glacier because it's, you know, adapted to living in a cold, wet environment. Um, but yeah, I can't remember. If, did we find a big moss ball? No, we just found those pockets and they're like cryonites or what did you call them? Oh, the cryokinites. That's yeah. Cryokinites, oh, right. Yeah. The, I forgot. I totally forgot. The the algae started growing out of the cryokinites by that point. That yes. one is still a mystery to me. That looks like aliens growing out of the glacier, you know. So... <laughs> As you know, Brett mentioned, the glaciers kind of obviously always melting and it creates these little holes and pockets of water. And inside these pockets um, of water are is black algae that somehow grows in this frozen water. And it's yeah, it's a true bizarre. mystery. Yes. <laughs> but the fact Actually, that I've, sorry, good. Oh, I've looked I've you know, I do a lot of um, Internet searches and trying to find answers and that one has not been researched yet i haven't found anyone that has studied the algae inside cryokinite pockets so really if you're out there and you're interested in cryokinites and glaciers let me know yes we need some research dollars going towards this because it is super strange yeah somebody yeah there's something to know about it totally like who knows what they're gonna find maybe that's like where some sort of species came from was a, from a cryo. A secured cancer in there. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. There we go. <laughs> Our good friends at Connecticut, you know how much the Shirk family 
loves Connecticut water. We have it in our home, and now we've added it to our cabin life. And, <laughs> oh, what a difference it makes. You know, for as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that cabin water, that stinky, foul well water. After a painless four-hour installation, we now have Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make coffee in the morning. It's great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny, and Connecticut water cleaned up both our showers and the kitchen dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. Did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last about 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat in your home. Why buy two heating systems when propane furnace can do it all? Lasts longer, works better, and costs less. These things and more are being done today with propane, the right energy right now. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. So, uh, you know, part of the glacier experience, again, with Micah Guides in um, outside of Anchorage, Alaska, is this opportunity to... Um, spend the night on the glacier. And um, what is so cool is that you guys provide this glamping experience where, um, again, they drop you off via helicopter. The helicopter departs and um, you have the opportunity to spend all day with a guide. And really each day that you go out, it's never the same. Each tour is different. It's day by day you decide where you're going to go on the glacier. Mm. And it also depends on people's athletic abilities. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And you know, you call it, you, like you said, it's, it's called the ultimate that we go out on. And the reason we came up with the ultimate is that everyone's just like definition of what is ultimate is different. And that's, what's beautiful about the glacier is we could do something super extreme. You know, like we ran around, we, we covered some miles. We used the rope probably six or seven times. Um, and there's been ultimates, a full day, eight hour ultimate where we've putzed around, looked at really cool stuff, didn't even use the rope, set up a picnic and just had a beautiful day enjoying the scenery. So it's so customizable that it really is an adventure for everyone. It is. Yeah, it, it is really cool. And I, I, you know, when people were really fascinated when I started posting pictures and videos of this glacier adventure, I have since had a lot of questions about it. People are like, what on earth are you doing? And I said, you know, the beauty of going on this tour and doing a private tour and specifically with Brett as our guide, I felt like we got lucky having you as our guide, is you were the oh, perfect thanks. combination of um, safety, of course, because we were not complete 
we're not experts in ice climbing um, whatsoever. I've done a little bit of it, but this is our first big adventure of doing it. And two, you have a wonderful sense of humor when you're out there. And three is that <laughs> you kind of push both Dan and I, because you it's, you know, the glacier, let's be honest, can be a very dangerous place. I mean, there are a hundred mm. foot or deeper crevasses everywhere. So you do need to watch where you're going and you guys do a great job making sure that you know, you're always going in a very safe place and watching where people are going. But what I loved about you is you also kind of pushed both Dan and I, specifically more me, because I had shorter legs to jump over the crevasse to <laughs> kind of push your comfort zone um, a little bit. And, you know, I, when they, when Brett's asking you to kind of, um, you know, lean over a very steep cliff that goes, you know, there's rushing water down a, a Mulan that's flowing, like, I don't know how fast, but very fast you know, your heart gets going and you're like, ah, uh, and he's like, you can do it. You know, you're on the ropes and you are so obviously specialized with all of that, that you knew it was totally safe, but it was really fun to be pushed a little bit. And at one point you, there was, you know, to get back, you're wandering out in this glacier and there's no trail and there's no sign that's like back to camp this way. Like, so you kind of <laughs> have to hit the meander your way back. And at one point we got to this crevasse and it was a la rather large open gap. And you're like, do you think you can jump that? And I was like, you know, I don't really know if I could probably jump that, Brett. And you're like, I think you could. Um, and so you, of course, we had our, we tied up and got the ropes on. And you're like, well, I mean, if you, if you fall down, the rope's going to catch you. And of right. course, I was thinking, well, my face is going to slam into the ice. But um, your adrenaline <laughs> gets going. And indeed, I was able to jump over this large gap in the ice um, safely. And I wonder... I, we were eventually, before we did that, we were throwing rocks down this crevasse and the rocks never stopped dropping. Like it just kept going and going and going. And I have a video of that. I wonder if the microphone will pick it up because. Oh, the, that like, the like ping pong echoey. Yes. Yeah. Let's see if we can get this going. Can you hear this? Oh, wait. The more the better. The more the better. That's what you said. Hang on. <laughs> okay. One, two, three. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that came that through was, very well. I, I, I remember, yeah, we all grabbed a bunch of rocks and like we were thrown in as much as possible. Yes, and fun. the rocks didn't stop dropping. It was like a Plinko game that never ended. It was yeah. like ping, 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 that ping, was, ping, 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 ping. I, I think that was after you jumped. No, yeah. it was before I nope. jumped. Thank you very much. Was it much. before? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> upping, the, upping the pucker factor. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, great. Yeah. My legs are a little so. short here. We'll see if I can get going over that. But um, what's what's funny too is there is an easy walk around right there. I don't know if I even told you guys. Us that. No, no, you're like, this is the see, only that's way just back it. <laughs> that's this it is as you know as we get to hang out like you get to hang out with whoever your clients are for the day and you get to know them and it's like once you get that trust going and you get to know each other's humor and like where you can really get a relationship you go all right well, these guys signed up and they paid a lot of money. Well, it's time to show them a good time. And sometimes that is pushing the limit a little bit, showing people that they're more capable than they think they are. And, uh, totally. yeah, it's really I fun, when, especially when you know, you know, there's a walk around or at least I do. And I go, Oh, nope, this is the only way we got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what you said too, right? You're like, this is the only way back. You got to jump it. I was like, 
This All is right. it. <laughs> and then your adrenaline just goes, and man, can your legs really jump further when you're... You have yeah, you cleared it by like four feet. <laughs> I know. All of a sudden, I had... Um, superhuman power at that second. But yeah, it was such like an incredible, incredible day. Just, um, and it went so fast. We were climbing, I think our, we were for about six hours, wasn't it? And it just flew yeah. by. It flew by. Yep. Um, and, the- and sorry, go ahead. I keep interrupting. Oh no, you're good. Go for it. You're good. Um, and when we got back to camp, um, uh, we had to sadly say goodbye to you and you departed for the night, but yes. we stayed overnight and part of that experience, I just want to share with the listeners, because if, you know, the opportunity to spend um, the night on a very large chunk of ice is pretty cool, because the the glacier makes noise all day and all night, by the way. There's a lot of cracking going on. And um, so you guys have this really, really cool setup where you've built these canvas glamping tents that are built up on some platforms, which are always yeah. moving. So you guys are always working on those platforms to make sure they're staying flat and even. Yep. And you have these like queen size foam mattresses um, that you sleep on. And the glacier does at night. Once that sun goes down, it's a whole different temperature deal out there. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. It's yeah. chilly. And, yep. um, but you have like, down these amazing down jackets that are available. So you're not carrying that around all day. They give you a down jacket. You are greeted by the camp boss and, um, and one was Baxter and I'm forgetting the young man's name. He was a college student. He was fabulous. Oh, Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. Yes. Lucas was so great. So Lucas was working with you guys, Micah guides, um, for the summer. And apparently you guys have quite a few college, um, resumes that come flying in to work at your company and you select a few of the best and they live on the glacier. So Lucas was out there. It was his first week out there as kind of the camp boss. He had got graduated to this position and he had to spend the entire week on the glacier. Is this correct? Is this how this works? Yeah. So they'll do uh, between four and five days. We try to make it short, you know, which to me didn't seem short because Oh they no, it's still not, it's a long time in the cryosphere. <laughs> yes, because one one thing you don't realize is there's there's a lack of scent also out on the glacier. Mm. There's there's mm-hmm. really no smell. So when you get back to land and you start smelling flowers again, you're like, wow, this is totally different than the glacier. And also they're sleeping in tents. They're not sleeping in the glamping foam mattress areas. <laughs> uh, per usual, you know, the staff are always they have it a little rougher behind the scenes, but <laughs> But they loved it. He was having the time of his life. And, you know, he was cooking us dinner that night. And it's not some, you know, rehydrated soup that they're serving you. We had (laughs) wild-caught Alaskan salmon, which, like, with some pesto pasta that was served for dinner. There was an appetizer, like, charcuterie board. There was a cocktail that was served, a a campfire that was going. You had s'mores for dessert. It was so delightful and well done. And... You know, and then by time it's, you know, going, you're, you're going to bed, but what you don't, what we know during the summer in Alaska, right? The sun doesn't go down. And right. yeah, depending on when you're there, it's, uh, it's light until you're trying to shut your eyes. <laughs> yes. And that kind of plays with your circadian rhythm where you really don't feel like you're tired. I mean, you're climbing for six hours straight and you're kind of still wired at 11 o'clock at night, but, um, Anyway, so we, Dan and I climbed into um, the foam mattress and it was 
chilly, I would say for, you know, the first like 20 minutes. But then after that, it was perfectly warm the entire evening. And it was probably down in the 30s. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll definitely drop close to the below freezing, depending on when you're here. But um, yeah, I mean, we have definitely... So the company that Micah Guides has been around for about 20 years. And there's another side of the company called Exposure Alaska, which is our okay. multi-day... Um, backpacking. It used to be sea kayaking, but we don't do that much anymore. Um, so exposure Alaska is like our multi-day uh, trip option or what used to be. And um, through that company, we dialed in a lot of the, you know, the food, how to cook on a stove and make it look luxurious when you're backpacking. Um, the details in the sleeping systems and just a lot of order of operations. And we transferred all that exposure information over to the glacier camp and so even though the glacier camp is brand new to us we have years and years of experience to carry over into it um well, what's also neat is the the alpenglow luxury camping which is our luxury camping not on the glacier uh just off the highway on our base property um and that's that all is, those are also glamping tents too right yeah they're canvas tents um those are almost identical. Like the beds are the same beds that we have on the glacier. So we, we took what we knew from Alpenglow and what Mandy had created and we just transferred that to the glacier. So we took a lot of experience and really just like transplanted it onto the, the Matanuska. Yes. There's, you know, if you're looking for a great adventure, you guys provide a lot of different opportunities and different ways to even just to glamp and look at the glacier is stunning because that would be the alpine glamp and glow. Is that what you call it? Alpen, um, yeah, alpine glow. Alpine glow. And mm-hmm. um, yes, and then also the opportunity to, to spend the night on the glacier was incredible. I mean, you wake up in the morning and it's just still, I mean, there's zero sound out there. It's so cool, besides the running water, of course. But it's... Um, so still, so quiet, and you're greeted with hot coffee in the morning. And breakfast was scrambled eggs with reindeer sausage. That was incredible, with like this homemade Alaskan blueberry jam on sourdough toast. I'm like, this is not normal camping. <laughs> it was so well done. Everything you guys did was so well done. Um, and also, what was really cool is at the um, end of the tour, part of the helicopter experiences, you get a a 30 minute helicopter tour of the entire glacier. So you get to see. Yeah. You get a scenic flight. That, and that's incredible. I mean, visually. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, I mean, that's why we couldn't come up with a different name than the ultimate. It really is like the, the true, like most well-rounded full fledged experience you can have with us um, from the entire day on the glacier to getting to not only have the day adventuring, but a day, or a night of relaxing and then a morning of flying around. It's, it's really a, well, you know, one, one package wonder. And, you know, our helicopter pilot uh, said a lot of people ask if they see bears out there. And he said in all, I don't know, 20 years or 14 years, he's been flying the helicopter. He's never seen a single bear except the day before we were there. And he showed us pictures of a black bear that actually crossed the glacier. And right. when we were on, yes, you remember that? Yeah, I remember. 
And when we were on our helicopter tour, we saw the black bear. He actually made it to the other side and was eating berries or doing whatever he was doing. It's probably berries. And what was fascinating about this is that the amount of hundreds of feet deep crevasses all over the place where he crossed, I don't know how he did it. You know, animals are astounding. I've seen... I've seen two new animals this year on the glacier, but yeah, a black bear. And then there was also a lynx on the glacier this year. Really? Uh, one of our, yeah, one of our interns got a picture of a lynx crossing the glacier this year, which was insane. Um, I don't know why any animal would go out there, but yeah, we've seen moose out there. I've seen porcupine, bear. Um, yeah, not sure what they're doing, but they can do it. They got the claws. Fascinating that they think they can cross that, and they certainly are able to do it. Um, so I'm actually curious, Brett, on what brought you to Alaska and this glacier because you've been there quite a few years now. Like what? Because you are originally, and this is where you are right now. You're in Indiana. Is this correct? Illinois, um, Illinois, Illinois. I'm sorry, Illinois. And um, and going from Illinois to you know to go live in Alaska is is you know, obviously the complete opposite. What was driving you to go to Alaska in the first place? Well, Alaska was after Colorado. I was, you know, the, the standard move for anyone who thinks they're adventurous from Illinois is to move to Colorado. That's like, you know, the first mountains yeah, you hit. And you're like, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> Cause I, I, I played a lot of, um, I played a, a lot of sports in high school and into college. And whenever I got out of college, I was like looking for something to fill that gap in my life. And I found rock climbing and I was like, well, this is cool. And, you know, really took off rock climbing. And all of a sudden I was like, Colorado, what's look at all the rock out there. And so then I got a job, moved out to Colorado and, um, I was just working a seasonal job. And one of the housekeepers who was at the same, um, ranch, which is called the home ranch had worked for Micah for about seven years. And she was like, Hey, you should try this out. And so just literally through the luck of meeting someone who had worked at MICA, um, I was introduced to it. And what's funny is my interview wasn't a standard interview. It was actually um, Christmas dinner at Don Ray, the owner of the company's house, with all of the senior guides. So everyone who was the most senior person at MICA the year prior was at this dinner at Don's house. And so I had to really dress it up. I was like, oh God, they're going to actually meet me. <laughs> You're like, there's going to be a few so, questions coming my way. Yeah, they and they really didn't grill me that bad. Um, I think that's why it went well. It was just a pretty casual hangout and I got the job. And, you know, I was, I was wanting to maybe become a guide. I thought that'd be a cool thing to do. Um, and I had no idea that I was going to begin hooked on glaciers. After my first season at MICA, I loved it so much that I was, I went to work at Fox Glacier Guides down in New Zealand on the Fox Glacier. Wow. And that year I spent almost 270 days in crampons because I just could not. Yeah. I wore crampons more than I um, wore like regular tennis shoes. Oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, it was after, it was literally just one season of seeing the Matanuska every single day, watching the Terminus change. And seeing the intricacies of it that I was like, well, I I think I want to do this and just kept coming back. Um, Don, the owner, is very, he's a very kind person and really pushes people to become the best version of themselves. And 
uh, every year you come back, there's some sort of purpose. There is a reason that you're there. So whether you're working on management skills, leadership skills, technical abilities, um, there's a reason that you come back every year and it's to push you to become a better person. And for some reason, I'm still there, still growing. So it's been seven summers and I just can't get enough. <laughs> that is so incredible. And did you meet your future bride at Micah Guides? No. So Kelsey and I, we actually, Kelsey was at the same, uh, the home ranch in Colorado where I found out about Micah and my first season at Micah, we separated, but I was too crazy about her. And I asked her to move to New Zealand with me. And so she moved to New Zealand. And then after that, she came up to Micah and she's been working there for, um, it was her fifth year there this year. Oh my gosh. And you guys are getting married in two short weeks. Two weeks. Yep. That is so cool. What is it about, you know, the glacier that draws you in? What do you think is like, what is it that keeps you, keeps you so intrigued? I think it's the change that happens. Um, Adaptation is the most key attribute that I could think of when it comes to working on a glacier. Um, You have to constantly be ready for change. Things are shifting, not just physically, but, um, you know, like the environment around you is always changing and it just really, it's, you know, you never have to walk the same trail. You never have to Mm -hmm. climb the same route. Every sort of training that I do with all my guides is different. And I, I can't teach them on a single situation because it's never the same. It all has to be based around decision making and, um, their like outlook on what the day is going to be like and the terrain that they think they're going to travel in. And yeah, I think it's just that, that constant, um, I don't know, um, the word for it, the constant evolution of a glacier. Yeah. That, well, the demand that you, you can't do anything the same every we're we're creatures of habit, right. And Mm -hmm. you have certain habits that drive your, your day. You know, you get up, you make coffee, you have breakfast, uh, you get ready for work. And then usually work can be very constant and similar. But a day on the glacier can be similar, but there's subtle differences every single day. Um, And those little differences make it, uh, it never gets old. You never get tired of it. I bet not, because it was really like a life-changing experience to be be out there. Um, Yeah. And you don't have to fake, you don't have to fake the fun. Like with you guys, it was super fun. It ne- like every single trip, you know, some clients aren't as fun. Let's be sure. real. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, people, fun. <laughs> some people come to the glacier and you're like, are you having fun? Is this cool? <laughs> um, but most clients, you connect with them and you just really get to share a unique experience. And that is one of the best parts of guiding out there. Yeah, it's um, it truly is something else. And I, I had said, you know, you guys run such a, a well-organized guiding service that, and everybody is so kind and, you know, and everybody's working, you know, even if the, the both um, Baxter and Lucas that were, you know, at the camp, they're working all day long and making sure things are, um, you know, running right and, and, that people, our guests are having great experience. And um, Lucas was sharing that part of the experience with interns that come to work with you is that they have to spend the night, I think out somewhere in the wilderness where 
they have to camp overnight or do a lot of like the survival skills type stuff that he said he's just learned a ton over the summer. Is that part of the initiation to working there? Yeah. So we, we, um, we call it grit week and the initial week that folks, the interns or the first years who sign up, whether they're on the logistics team or the apprentice guides, um, they go through grit week, which is an organized week of, teaching them the ways of the community and how we operate as a family and then also parts of the company. But a lot of it is really just pushing them uh, physically and mentally to see that they can handle a summer of working hard. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think he was mentioning was Don, the owner really wanted to surprise them with an overnight. You know, he told them they're going for a casual day hike on the, this property near our base. And all of a sudden he's like, well, looks like we can't get out. I guess we're going to have to stay for the night. And, you know, obviously they're not that far in, but they realize like, crap, we're sleeping out here. Yeah. And so they, he, you know, we, we brought them some food, just, you know, backpacking meals and they had a tarp um, and a couple of blankets, like sleeping bags to share. But it was really just a night of resilience and learning that sometimes it sucks, but you get through it. Like, you're not going to die just sleeping outside for a night. Um, yeah. And just a little, a couple things like that throughout the week to make them realize that they should be ready for anything around here. They really, you got to be willing and ready to do anything for the job. The Minnesota Historical Society, a message for you. Come visit historic Fort Snelling, Minnesota's first national historic landmark, a place where Waters, people, and ideas have come together for thousands of years. Hear many stories told by many voices and learn more about how lives and history intersect in ways that are stirring, powerful, complex, and still relevant today. Whether revisiting your favorite parts of history or learning something new, it's waiting for you at Historic Fort Snelling. Learn more at MNHS. Dot org slash Fort Snelling. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender? It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks... North Dakota Central Region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish 
department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. You know, it speaks, I think, so highly of the organization is you have a lot of return guides that come back. And it takes a long time to become a senior glacier guide as well. Like, it's a very serious job, but people, you get so many return guides. It seems like even when we're talking to Baxter, I mean, he's been there quite a few years too, and he loves it. And again, when it's their turn to be on the glacier for an entire week, you know, Dan and I did a 24-hour stint on the glacier and sleeping in the cold, and it, we loved it. Um, but when you're out there for a week, you have no cell service. I mean, there is, I mean, obviously there's a radio for emergency purposes, but it's not like you have um, any connection to you know, what else is going on in the world if you're working out there for a week. So you do, it takes a special, you know, person to be able to handle that and really enjoy it. And everybody there just loves it. And you can see that. And I think that's what makes the experience even more enjoyable for those of us that are just tapping into your world for 24 hours is you can see the passion behind everybody and that they're so happy. Yeah, Lucas really took a loving to the Glacier Camp. Um, He did. All the a lot of the LTs really enjoyed it, but Lucas like he loved it out there. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's hard. Like you know, it's cold. Everything is wet. Um, yes. it's not easy waking up, doing marine work, moving tents, cooking, flipping tents, and then entertaining all night. And that's why we try to keep it to a certain amount of time. It's not like you're just camping on the glacier, but um, yeah, he just he he saw it. He get it or he, he really got it. Like when you're out on the glacier, there's just this energy that you got to absorb of like, wow, I am sleeping and living on a glacier. <laughs> yes. So but, cool. And the stories he yeah. has to tell when he goes back to college will be something else for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I do want to make sure just to touch on, cause you, you talked about a little bit, the logistics side of the company and I got to make sure that, um, my logistics team gets this like recognition. Cause yes. the guides, the guides do, they take out the trips, right? They're the ones taking the pictures. They're the ones getting to do all the cool stuff. But the logistics crew at MICA is truly what keeps the machine running without the scheduling because it, yeah. it's a, it's a diverse. So we actually, we get paid salary at MICA, which for guiding is unheard of. You know, you, you, you get paid by the day or by the trip for guiding. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you sign up in MICA, once you come back your second year after your internship, you actually, you get paid salary, which means every day that you're scheduled, you're getting paid. And some days you do camp support. Some days you're running ice climbs, advanced treks for a week straight, or, you know, you never really know what you're going to do. And the magic of it comes from the scheduling and the organization of who's doing what, who's in charge of who, and how are they going to do that thing that they're doing, um, and, you know, I've worked for a lot of different companies that they have managers, you know, they, they manage and keep people working, but we fine tune everything at Micah, almost a little too much, but boy, do we get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah, you do. No, it's, it's, it, it shows too, like the adventure that you have is so seamless from start to finish to the very end of it. It really is. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey is a, she's incredible when it comes to heli logistics and the entire heli operations, she has it pinned to the minute because, you know, helis aren't cheap. You got to make sure that when that thing's running, they are, they're running for a reason. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you can't be late. Like you can't just be late for a helicopter pickup. So 
Yeah, that is there's true. a lot of attention in the details, and we've got a between Kelsey Shanklin, so my soon-to-be wife, and then um, Alex Sitka. He's our uh, the manager at Micah. That he's our brain. He's like the CFO. He he keeps track of everything for us, uh, data and number wise. Yeah, it is a it's a it's a big organization, a well-run organization. One other thing too, I want people. There's a really cool adventure that you guys do that is for people who have probably way more adventurous than me. Are is the cave diving that you oh. offer? Well, um, we don't. We don't do, who, we don't do the cave that? diving. So, <laughs> um, kind of long story short, short. One of our um, long-term um, customers loves diving. And she got Mark, the heli pilot, hooked on diving. Well, he he loves diving, but he got her, he and Marie got Mark into cold water diving, so dry suit certification. And so they went diving two years ago out on the glacier in a big blue pool. It was insane. And yeah, then so last winter, she got me and Kelsey into dry suit diving. And now oh, so we go out it. diving. Oh, yeah. And now it's evolved even farther. So Dive Alaska has hooked up with Mark, the owner and operator of Sheet Mountain Air, to take out folks um, diving on the glacier. Yeah. So we need to explain what this is to people that (laughs) don't understand um, or haven't been on a glacier. So the glacier has like glacier pools, many of which seem shallow, right? Like shallowish. But there's a few out there that must be like a really deep crevasse, but it's completely filled in with water. So yeah. So those Mulan down into the ice. Yes. The Mulans that we were talking about, those will fill up, say uh, the drainage constricts or a bunch of Moraine plugs it up. Um, it just refreezes. But when those drainage systems are plugged up or say it hasn't drilled a hole yet and there's a low point, you'll just get a super glacial lake, a, a pool on top of the glacier. And they are the most incredible blue color in existence. Um, but yeah, sometimes you'll have this big blue pool and all of a sudden you'll see a tunnel. And that tunnel is an old Mulan or one that's not active right now. And that those can be hundreds and hundreds of feet, if not miles long. How, I mean, is that scary at any minute when you're diving down into that cave of I mean, that's pretty serious diving. Oh, yeah. I have I have not gone into a Mulan. That's a whole nother certification. So okay. you have to be a, te- a technical cave diver. So you have to be a cold water technical cave diver to be able to I mean, dive How it. many of those are out there? Three? I don't know. <laughs> there's <laughs> a big, there's a, there's a big cold water diving scene in Alaska. There's some hardcore, hardcore people up there. I bet. I'm curious if there's any here in Minnesota. I mean, we get a lot of cold water certain times of the year, but. That's true. Yeah. When we were flying over that, and um, is it Brian? Is that his name? Who's the helicopter pilot? Uh, Mark. 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 I'm sorry. I'm getting names wrong everywhere today. Um, Mark, when he said, yeah, we we dive down into that. I literally looked at him. I was like, what? What? Crazy. (laughs) That's like insane. So um, again, one more thing that you can do on a glacier that who thought would be even a possibility. But Oh, yeah. Um, no, well, we, we stick, we stick to the surface activities. There's plenty to do ice climbing, adventuring, rappelling, all that stuff. For sure. And, um, one last thing that I forgot to mention that was really cool. Part of the, the glacier is the fact that, um, well, two things, one is all of your water that you drink and all of the water that the camp uses comes right from the glacier. Cause it's basically yep. the cleanest. I mean, you pay a lot of money in a store if you want to drink glacier water. 
Um, and it's readily available there. So you bring your own little container and fill it up just right off the glacier. You try to avoid the algae, of course. It's probably not the best to consume that. And also, um, you know, you your organization is also very much about conservation of the glacier as far as making sure it's kind of a leave no trace organization. It's not you're oh, yeah. removing everything off that glacier from trash to human waste to everything, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. Oh, yeah. The pee, we do let people pee out there. Uh, there's yes. enough of a drainage that that's not an issue. But yeah, any human waste um, gets flown out. And, you know, I so I was in charge of breaking down camp this year. And I'm not out there as much as the rest of the staff like Lucas and some of the um, guides that are out there leading the heli explorer trips. And I'm walking around and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go clean up all the micro trash that was left behind. I walked all around the glacier camp and there was maybe two pieces of string. And I was just so impressed with how much care people, not even just the, our guides, but um, the clients who came out, nobody, nobody littered. No one really made a mess of the place. And it's cool to see that kind of respect for a natural environment. For sure. You know, that's as important as, I mean, we try to do that everywhere we go. If you're a good yeah. steward of the land, yeah. Um, but that's, you know, really cool to see that, that you guys, you know, care as much as everybody else does. And, you know, it's a big camp that you fly in with the mattresses and the canvas tents and all that. So it's, it's an undertaking, but to have it also clean and that everybody who visits is doing the same is, is really cool. Oh yeah. Well, Brett, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I, I was excited to have you on to share, um, the adventure and how cool it is. And it's a life-changing adventure and, and um, the wonderful work that you do on bringing people out and really educating. I mean, you have so much knowledge, of course, about the glacier and, um, and all the unique aspects of it that you share with people. So it's as much educational as it is an adrenaline rush for sure. Right on. That's why, um, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yes. So um, share with our listeners where they can, um, sign up to do this or learn more about it. You know, I said, micaguides.com. Are you guys on Instagram, Facebook? Where are you at? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Micaguides.com has everything from our day trips, walk on ice fall tracks to like, we're talking about the ultimate overnight experience. So you can find that there. We've got some videos on YouTube, uh, but yeah, Instagram, micaguides and yeah, Facebook, we've got a whole page. Um, yeah, just look up micaguides. You'll find us. Number one, Glacier Guide Company in all of Alaska. I love it. I like to think. (laughs) Yes, for sure. 100% you are. I also, um, the article I wrote about my guides and and our experience, Dan and our experience, is coming out in Artful Living Magazine this winter as well. So, um, Yeah, excited to see it. Read about there. And David, the photographer who was out, was um, obviously, he was climbing or lowering himself deep into crevasses to get some really cool pictures. So the, the imagery was incredible. So we're excited to share that too. That's like, yeah, I'm excited to see it. David, he's got a good eye for the glacier. He's been doing it for a while. He does. He does. Thank you, Brett, once again for joining the podcast and also a special thanks to our sponsors, Minnesota Propane Association, Hewitt Docks, Connecticut, Star Bank, Minnesota Historical Society, North Dakota Tourism and Grain Belts. Also, last but not least, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Absolutely. I'm about to go play with my nieces and nephews outside right now. Love it. (laughs) 